All right, a little bit of a curveball for you this morning. Uh, instead of opening up to the Gospel of Luke, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Uh, this morning we're supposed to be getting back to the Gospel of Luke, uh, as it is going to take us some time to finish up the Gospel of Luke. Uh, however, um, I wanted to pause for, for two Sundays, this Sunday, next Sunday, and address some of the things that are happening uh, in our midst as I believe a direct result of uh, our faithfully following God's leading and crossing over and choosing to build uh, over um, by Elgin High School. And uh, you guys know three weeks ago it was a historic vote in the life of our church, 102 to 1, um, to, to uh, eventually um, build a new church there, right by the high school, between uh, Elgin High School and Nidig Elementary. And we had been experiencing some spiritual attacks leading up uh, to that. We, we dealt with, with uh, sickness, you know, problems, those kind of things. But, man, I want to tell you, since, since that vote, boy, has it been ratcheted up a bit. And I, I just want to be honest with you, the enemy is not happy. The enemy is not happy with uh, what the Lord is calling us to do and with our faithfulness to this point. He's not happy. And so, uh, so I, I'll just kind of tell you how that went. We voted on Sunday. I got on an airplane on Wednesday, flew to Uganda, um, you know, had, had trials and things there, but God was good and faithful. Uh, the, the moment I stepped back on U.S. soil from Amsterdam, flew into Atlanta, and I got off the plane, my phone started blowing up. have a marriage that's falling apart. Got somebody that's lost a job. We've got a deacon that might have cancer, Right? I mean, it, it's these, these things, just bam, 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 these things over and over and over again. And, and so uh, I, I thought it would be good for us because of what we're enduring. And guys, because of what we're going to continue to endure, I just want to tell you, it's not going to get easier, okay? So I don't, I don't want to lie to you and say, hey, the next three years are going to be rosy. We're going to raise all this money, and there's never going to be any problems. Um, and it, it's just going to be awesome. And so I just thought it would be important for us to just get ready, because here's the deal. Next Sunday, the enemy's not going to be any happier when God shows up and provides, because he does, right? When God shows up and teaches us once again that he's provider, the enemy's going to be ticked, and he's going to do anything that he can to go, no, 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 he's not, he's not really. He's going to do everything that he can to prevent that. And so I just want to tell you right now um, that, that we need to be prepared for these attacks. We need to be ready, and I think the best way we can do, do that is, is study what spiritual warfare really is, um, get dressed, get on the same page, by the way. Uh, that's a huge part of our message. And so we're going to be in Ephesians uh, 6. Hopefully we're going to be linking arms, linking shields, um, being ready to go into battle after we study uh, what that looks like and how to do that. But let's pray first, and then we'll jump in. Father, um, thank you for your goodness, and thank you for your love. I thank you for um, how, by, how by the power of your Spirit you met with um, all of the saints uh, here that were gathered at the early service and how you moved in a powerful way. And, and Lord, I just say, do it again. God, just do it again. In our midst, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you in right now to be our teacher and to be our guide and, and to open our eyes and, and our hearts to this reality that we all too often miss, that we need to see. We need to see it, and we need to see our role in it. And so, Lord, that's, that's my prayer this morning. Um, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you teach us, guide us from the inside out, change our minds, change our hearts, to this subject of spiritual warfare. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 10. I'm going to read through um, 18. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me read that again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waists, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. For all the saints. I've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to be talking quickly this morning. Actually, five things. Two things I want to talk to you specifically about this this battle we find find ourselves in. And then I'm going to get into half the armor this Sunday. We'll cover the next half next Sunday. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so five things. Here's the first thing I need you to see this morning, guys. We are at war, okay? There's no other way to put it. We are at war, and this war is, is actually hand-to-hand combat with the devil and all of his dark forces. All right, We are at war, we're at hand-to-hand combat with the devil and all of his dark forces. This passage is a call to all Christians to get dressed daily because of the barrage of spiritual warfare that's coming their way. And then it's a reminder of who the warfare is coming from. So let's just walk through the text together, okay? We'll start in verse 11. Verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, that, that tells you who's in charge. The general, the one with all the plans, the one that is planning all of the attacks, is none other than the devil himself. That's where they, they come from. Verse 12 then says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Now, that our struggle is an inclusion term. That means some, some have read this passage wrongly, and, and they've thought it's just hand-to-hand individual combat, because they, they get into the wrestling term, which we'll talk about, but they misunderstand all of the terminology about the Roman army and how the Roman army worked. This is our struggle. It's a collective struggle. It's a struggle that we're in together. We're not fighting on our own or by ourselves, but yet we're actually fighting together and for one another. This is for us. It involves all Christians. But what is the struggle? What kind of struggle are we in? It says our struggle is, against, uh, is not against flesh and blood. Well, that word struggle is interesting. In, in the Greek, it's a term used for wrestling. And, but not, not kind of like the way my boys wrestle. Uh, no, this is, this is the real deal. And, and, and in the Greek, what would happen in this kind of wrestling match is that you and your opponent would be uh, there going against each other. And the only way to win the match would be to throw your opponent onto the ground, to get on top of him, and with your hand upon his throat, to either choke him out until he passes out or until he taps out. That's how serious the battle is that's waging right now. This isn't to be played around with. This isn't to be ignored. That's how serious a struggle we find ourselves in at this point. It's just our struggle. The struggle, it's not against our fellow man. It's not against each other. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and the principalities of this dark world. And and that word rulers is, is misguided. 
That word rulers is not rulers, it is not plural, it is a title in in the original language, and it is a title for Satan himself. It means Lord of this world. It means prince of this age, king of this earth. It's against the ruler, and it's against the principalities. The word principalities means origin. That the origin of all the attacks that we face are from the king of this earth, the devil himself, the general, that's laying out the battle plans for all of the forces of darkness. That's the war we find ourselves in. So I just want you to understand, first of all, we are at war. It's hand-to-hand combat. It's a throw your opponent to the ground and grab him by the throat until he submits. Some of you right now, unfortunately, that's how you feel. You walk through the doors and you kind of feel like you've already been thrown down and it's grab you by the throat. That's what's going on. Second part, I want you to understand our job in this. Our job is to stand our ground together and to fight. Our job is to stand our ground together and to fight. In five verses, 10 through 14, uh, the Apostle Paul uses the word stand four times. In five verses, we're commanded four times to stand against Satan and all of his spiritual attacks. And this is important because I I think many Christians in our day are confused here, right? For years, we have been taught to run. Right, I mean, for years we've been taught to flee uh, from, from, from sin and, 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 and from temptation. And all that's accurate, by the way. I mean, it's biblical, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says we're to flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says we're to flee from idolatry. 1 Timothy 6.11 just kind of says flee from all of this, right? He's talking about the love of money. Right? But flee from all of this. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee from the evil desires of your youth. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that is a long list for me. It says, I'm supposed to run away, right? And hear me, all those things are accurate. We are supposed to flee from, from sin and temptation. Like Joseph is the poster boy for this, right? Or, or, I, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, Joseph is, is grabbed by Potiphar's wife, and she says, come to bed with me, right? And he, ru- he flees, he runs away. She even grabs his cloak, he runs away without it. He's kind of the poster boy. So friends, we are to flee from sin, to flee from temptation, but we're not to flee from Satan himself. In fact, the opposite is pretty much the truth. James says it this way, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. That word means stand. Stand firm. Uh, wait, oh, that's the same word in our passage, isn't it? Hmm. Stand firm and get this. The devil will flee from you. Who's doing the running? Us? No. He is. He is. Our call in this battle is to stand and to fight so that the devil is the one that does the running. But how do we do that? By the way, that word stand, it means to be fixed, to be immovable, to be set in place, and to be heavy. It it talks about the foundation of a a building. I, I fear many Christians are confused. I think we've turned tail and run so well that we've forgotten how to stand and fight. So let's talk about how to stand and fight. How do we do that? Okay, two things. One, we got to understand how to get dressed. And two, we, we got to be trained in what to do with, when we're dressed. Okay, so we've got to understand the armor and how to use it. That, that's what we've got to do. And so, so I, I just want to start um, and we'll start where, where the text starts. Let's start with the belt. Okay, verse 14 it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That sounds pretty good. Anybody have a belt on today? 
Was that a hard task for you this morning? What, too bad. I, I, I occasionally don't look too close. Every once in a while I miss a little loop in the back, you know. Because some pants don't put them where they're supposed to. They add like extra loops on the sides and it's ridiculous. And like that should be standard protocol that all the loops be in the same place. But anyway, don't look too close. I'm just saying my wife always giggles a little bit. Uh, Seems pretty easy, wake up, put on the belt. Unfortunately, that's actually not what the text says. The text doesn't say, hey, just get up and take the truth and just belt it around you and you'll be good. Like, that's not what the text says. The actual text, the, 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 the actual physical in the Greek, it actually says, gird up your loins with the belt of truth. So this is the job. When you're preparing for this spiritual battle, you have to take and you have to gird up your loins with the belt of truth. And that, that phrase is important because it's found all throughout Scripture. You remember in the book of Job, uh, Job does really well for a long time. He faces a lot of difficulty. He like never questions God. And then kind of at the end, all of a sudden, it's almost like he's had it. And he's like, all right, God, I've got some questions for you. And he begins to question God's character. And people are always like, oh, God is big enough for your questions. Yeah, but you might not be big enough for his answers. Because God looks at Job and says, Okay, gird up your loins, O man, for I'm about to speak to you. You want to question my character? Then you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, because here we go. Okay? And it's like, okay, I'm not so sure, right? This phrase is used throughout the Bible in Exodus, in the Passover, which which talks about who we are in Christ, which talks about what Jesus does for us. It says, this is how you're to eat the Passover. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, you're going to eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. Now, that, that phrase, cloak tucked into your belt, means with your loins girded up. Jesus actually used this phrase, gird up your loins, in in, in the Gospel of Luke. We'll get there in a little bit, but it says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Jesus actually says to the audience in the Greek, he says, gird up your loins and have the lamp burning because you're about to go into action. Okay? You've got to be ready. And then finally, of course... uh, we have this one. This is, this is always my favorite. Peter, he says we're actually supposed to take it further. We're not just supposed to gird up our loins. We're also supposed to gird up the loins of our mind. He says, therefore, with minds that are alert, literally, with your minds that have their loins girded up, I've got to gird up the loins of my mind now, Peter? Are you kidding me? What does all this mean, though? What does it mean? Well... Roman soldiers, like everybody else kind of in the day, a huge part of their outfit. By the way, all of these pieces of armor point to soldiers of Rome. This is who Paul is drawing comparison to because that's, that's the imagery that's surrounding our original audience. So soldiers of Rome in that day, they wore these long tunics. And the great thing about it is it really provided some, some breathability. As you had to walk around, they often had to march and go long places. Great breathability. The problem is that when you got into battle, having something that flapped around, like that wasn't great. Okay, so what they had to do then, and I've got a picture of it, you, they would take their tunics and they would hike them up, no lie, okay, and then they, 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 they pull it through and then took it under and tie it around and, um, and they had to hike it up and they had to tie it, yes, around their most private places, um, maybe for support, who knows, and, um, and then all had to be tucked into the belt, which was kind of the piece of the armor that held everything together. Okay, and, and, and listen, this is huge because they were so involved. Most Roman uh, soldiers were part of infantry. They were on the ground fighting forces. They were fighting in hand-to-hand combat. And so they had to tightly tuck in their cloaks into their belts so that the enemy would not have any loose area to grab a hold of. Do you see it? They had to, they had to firmly cinch up their cloaks so that the enemy didn't have any loose area to grab a hold of. They had to be ready to fight, everything being held together. And that's us too. 
The Bible says that we've got to do that. So here's the point I want you to write down. uh, Number three here. We must allow every area of our lives. Get this. Especially the private places. To be carefully cinched up and held together by Jesus. Okay? What do you mean the private places? I mean the things you don't like to talk about. Your money, your marriage, your debt, your children. I, I, I mean the stuff that we don't typically just always feel comfortable sharing. We all have those things. And, 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 and I think that's one of the reasons it's referenced to the loins. And it's not talking about the helmet of truth. It's talking about something that's private. It's talking about something that that we don't always feel comfortable sharing. And it's saying, listen, if you don't do this, the enemy, I promise you, he will find the things that you care about the most. And anything that is not cinched up in Jesus, he's going to grab a hold of. And he's going to take you down and put his hand on your throat. That's how he works. That's how he works. Why Jesus, Brother Jason? Why? Well, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Right? Colossians tells us that that he's the fullness of God and that everything was made through him and by him and that he holds it all together. And so every area of our lives has to be brought to him. It's got to be cinched up in him. So that's the belt of truth. Now, what about the the next piece? It's the breastplate of righteousness, 614. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Not exactly that. A little more work than that. Cinch up every area. It says with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, again, Roman soldiers, the breastplate would go from about the throat all the way down to the belt, front and back, and it basically covered all of the major organs, uh, specifically the heart, which is important. Solomon says, above all else, you should guard your heart. That was the smartest guy that ever lived, by the way. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Jesus, whom I think actually was probably smarter than Solomon, um, you know, because he's God and all, um, he said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Both men would tell us that the heart has a lot to do with the direction that we go in life. And now we're called to guard that heart, right? To, to, to cover it with this breastplate of righteousness. But what is righteousness? What is that about? Well, well, here's what righteousness means. In the Greek, the term righteous means to be as you ought to be. Or, or another way to say it is to be as God had originally created you to be. See, God is righteous, right? He's holy, he's perfect, he's blameless. He is right. And, and, and at one point, like, we all were made in his image. And there was a time before Genesis chapter 3 in the fall of man that we were all naturally this. We were all righteous. We, we, we all did the right thing all of the time. I, you know, we, we didn't mess up. Like, this is the way. We were all called into this because that's who we were. But in Genesis chapter 3, man sinned and we fell from that grace. We fell from that spot. We fell out of righteousness. We fell out of holiness. And we fell so hard it was paralyzing. And and, and ever since then, mankind's been trying to teach himself how to do this again. There's only one problem. Nothing we can do can get us back to that spot. And so Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We we can't climb our way back up. Romans 3.10 actually says that there's none of us are righteous anymore. None. That's the really bad news. But there's great news in the gospel in Jesus. God says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And there's a big theological term here. And it's basically that if we put our belief in Jesus, that God will will impute unto us or credit unto us the righteousness of Jesus. It's a judicial term. that, That God judicially, legally declares you to be righteous, even though he knows, like in truth, that you're not... Like, but, but he's going to give it to you. He's going to grant it to you. It's a new status that cannot be taken away. And, and so you say, well, that sounds great. So if I'm righteous, why do I have to put on a breastplate of righteousness? What is that about? Well, you know, the Bible says a lot of things about what we're declared and then what we have to do. A lot of times we're, we're declared something, but then we still have something to do. I, I love 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says that in Christ we've been sanctified. The word means we've been made holy. Right? That's who, that's, God declares us holy because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. So we're declared holy, declared perfect, even though we still fall and fail. We're declared holy. But then he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, So now go and be holy. He says, be holy. So wait, wait, wait. I, I am holy, but I still have to be holy? Yeah, that's the point. Same is true with righteousness. We are righteous. Our slates have been, been, been literally wiped clean talked about that last week, but now we actually have to do that. The gospel declares us to be righteous, but it also demands us to be righteous, which brings us to our fourth point. We've got to guard our hearts, this, this breastplate of righteousness. We have to guard our hearts by daily focusing on what the gospel has done for us and what the gospel demands of us. The gospel has made us righteous, It has made us holy, but it also demands that we now live that way, right? That's the deal. And and, and this is fleshing it out, you know. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what this is. Putting on this breastplate is saying, every day I'm going to do right by God, and I'm going to do right by others. Every day I'm going to put God first, and I'm going to put others second. Every day I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to fight off and stave off my own desire to be selfish and make everything about me. And I'm going to choose to put others before myself. It's a big deal. It's a big deal, okay? Which brings us just to the last area of armor for today. It's everybody's favorite. Let's talk about feet. Most overlooked uh, part of, of a man's armor probably would be what he puts on his feet. Um, some would tell you that the Roman army was so effective and the key to that effectiveness actually had to do with their feet as much as any other piece of armor that they had. So uh, Roman soldiers wore sandals, just like uh, everybody else in their day, only their sandals were a little different. Their soles were thicker, uh, thicker soles, and in those thicker soles, they drove nails, hobnails. The Romans basically had the very first cleats ever uh, in, like, in the history of mankind, and, and, and specifically because they're, they're, you know, they're on the ground, they're fighting forces, uh, they, they, they would take these hobnailed sandals, and what they would do is they would form these ranks, these lines, and so when people would come against them in battle, they would link shields, they would come together, they would cover one another, and they would use these, these cleats to dig in and to stand firm against the initial impact that would come against them. You could think of an army rushing in, oh, swords drawn, and these men are just standing there taking it like a champ. This is the standing firm being immovable. Bam, bam, bam. They're running into them. They're trying to hit them. They've got shields over their head. They're standing next to each other. Everybody's standing firm. And then once they feel the people tiring out, the crazies, don't, they're not swinging as hard. 
in unison, they would begin to step up. Those sandals allowed them to dig in and to advance against their enemy. And before you knew it, they were demolishing them, wiping them out. This is why Rome was so, so great. So that next piece of armor, 615, it says, And when your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now you hear that, come on, let's be honest, that sounds a little sissified, doesn't it? Your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. That sounds like some girl summer shoe, doesn't it? I mean, it does. It does. It's, it's, it, I'm imagining something white and fruity and frou-frou, and, and guys are like, well, I, I, ain't, I ain't wearing none of that. I ain't wearing anything peaceful. I need mean, these were not peaceful sandals. These sandals are instruments of war. They allow us to dig in and to stand firm, but they also allow us to attack. And you say, well, what is that attack about? Here's what that attack about uh, is about Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 18, um, Jesus speaking to Peter, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Um, now, that, this is important. We hear that and we think that Hades is the one that it's attacking. No, Hades are the gates that are being attacked. And it, and it literally says that word overcome, it, is, it also means withstand. I think that's a poor translation. The gates of Hades will not be able to withstand this gospel of peace, right? The gospel of peace will advance and it will overthrow the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, and everything that those gates contain. This is what I want you to see. This is the fifth point and we're almost done, okay? We must advance the gospel of peace for it possesses the power and the force, ready, to Set the captives free. The gospel possesses the power and the force to set the captives free. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a huge part of the armor. So I want to show you this uh, picture here in a second. Let's move to application and we'll get to that picture uh, yeah, yeah, see that picture? Let me show you the application first. The first thing I want you to do is wake up and realize we're at war. Okay? Like that, that, that is the challenge. You have to wake up and realize that, that we are at war. This is what the Bible declares. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And I want to be honest, if you're on the battlefield, there is nothing worse than a daydreaming soldier next to you. You know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, I mean, legitimately, you imagine like, hey, we're in the ranks. So now let's look at the picture, sissy. So, so here we are. Uh, where's that picture at? There, there we are. And so, so, so you, I want you to imagine you're one of those dudes in the middle. And, and then off to your right, just one or two guys over. Uh, instead of somebody having their shield up and the guy behind him covering him, I want you to imagine that those two guys have their shields down and they're going, oh, it's such a beautiful day. How's the attack going to work out? When the enemy comes, how's the attack going to work out? And that's two folks. I'm going to argue with you today, and I'll argue till I'm blue in the face, that the church in America, um, that, that, that none of us are really lined up like that. I think we're all looking at what a beautiful day it is. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, gosh, I'm so blessed. God's so good. Everything's great. War! You're in the midst of war. The enemy is attacking on every side. And yet we don't even have any ranks, much less have just one or two people to point out and go, hey, brother, you're breaking the ranks. We've got to stop and realize what we're in the midst of. We are in the midst of war. Hand-to-hand combat that requires this out of every single one of us. That's the only way we can be protected. 
Second thing, this is a little individual, ready? I want to challenge you to cinch up your cloak. Okay? Especially the private areas of your life. If there is any area of your life, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, if you're going to walk with us through this here over the next three years, but if you're, if you're just going to follow Jesus, if there is any area of your life that is not cinched up, listen, some of you don't want to talk about the debt you're in. I get it. It's not awesome to say, hey, I've made bad financial choices. But if you're not willing to address it with brothers and sisters that can help you, if you're just going to continue to hide it, that's leaving a huge part of your life untucked. Right? And the enemy's going to get a hold of it at some point. And then before you know it, you're going to be on the ground. He's going to have his hand on your throat. And we're not going to be able to hear you crying out because he's choking you. So tell us now. Like, hey, dude, listen, I got this area. And let us, let's come up alongside that area and guard, right? Let's help one another. Let's assist one another. So you've got to cinch up your cloak. Maybe that's your marriage. Maybe that's your relationship with your kids. Maybe that's your job. I don't know what it is, but man, you've got to cinch it up. You've got to tuck it in. And listen, you've got to examine it. You you have to put everything through that belt of truth. Jesus, what do you say about my marriage? Oh, Jesus, you say that my marriage isn't just about how I feel. But marriage is about daily sacrifice and death to self. That's a little different. (laughs) Because the world was telling me that if I didn't feel okay, that I could just call a timeout. Got to cinch it up. You've got to cinch it up. What does the truth of God's word say? The truth of God's word says that I made a commitment. That the love that my marriage is based on is actually not phileo love. It's not about passion. And it's not even eros love, although that's beneficial. But that the love that I, my marriage is based on, the promise I made before God, is actually an agape love, which is a love of commitment that's unchanging until the day one of us dies. That's the commitment I made. Oh, gosh. Well, let me tuck that in. Right? Let me tuck that in. You, you understand what I'm saying? So we've got to cinch up those areas. And, and finally, um, friends, I would just say to you, we've got to fight in advance in unison. We've got to fight in advance in unison. Okay? Um, that picture one more time, Sissy, is, is, is guys, everyone together. You know that they would often put the strongest men up front. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The people that are going to take the, like, like if, if somebody ran into you, they would practice these things. And, and I always, uh, I watched one movie, I can't remember what movie it was, but they had this really crazy guy. Uh, he was kind of like an outlaw, and they were trying to train these, like, farmers how to do this kind of stuff. And so they had this one crazy guy that would just run and throw himself recklessly into the shields. And, and if you got knocked over, you were no longer in the front, you had to go to the back. And they were teaching them how to dig in and how to advance in unison, Right? They'd put the strongest people in front. But do you notice what the next line of soldiers is doing? What are they, what are they doing? They're covering them, aren't they? They're covering them. To me, that, that, that's an act of prayer. That's an act of support. It's saying, listen, I, I need you in front of me, but I want you to know that I've got your back. And I, by the way, I'm also covering you. I'm going to make sure that you can be everything that God has called you to be. And I'm going to keep in step with you. I'm right behind you every second, everywhere we go. So here's what I believe the Lord is calling us to do today. We're going to have a time of response, actually a worship service to follow our worship service. But this is what I believe the Lord is calling us to do. I believe he is calling us into action. I think he's calling us to wake up and realize some things. And so um, we're going to change the dynamics of our sanctuary and our body today. I think we're going to wake up and realize that we're at war and it's going to radically change some things. We're going to call you to get in step 
uh, with some brothers and sisters to link shields with them. Some of you are going to be that shield behind them. You're going to cover them in, in prayer because we've got some people on the front lines that are getting their butts kicked, if I'm being honest. So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to break it up into sections. I shared some needs with you. But this section over here is going to represent um, health. Health. Brain cancer, lung cancer, stomach cancer, breast cancer. We've got somebody that had a heart valve replacement. They had to replace two valves, and she's still in ICU. She should have been out in three days. She's still there. And she needs somebody to fight for her because she's tired And I can tell she's tired. We need somebody to stand in the gap and say, no, God, she's not going to give up. She's not going to do it. Lord, give her strength. Like who's who's going to cover her? Right. Somebody's got to cover her. And so this section over here is is if you feel called to cover somebody in prayer for their health. That's you right here. Okay. But we've got families in our church right here. They're hurting in their finances. They're hurting in, in provision. Some have lost a job. Some don't know how they're going to pay the bills because we hear those calls every week. We we were blessed this week to help somebody out with a light bill, right? But now we don't have any money left in that account. I mean, who's going to stand in the gap for those families? Who's going to either be in, you're going to stand in front with your shield or you're going to cover them. And that's going to be right here. So, 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 So over here is health. This is about finances, about jobs. This is about provision, okay? And right over here, this section, this is about marriages, this is about families. Like I said, we've got one marriage right now that is hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread. Are you, are you going to be the one that puts a shield over them and says, nope, nope, no more. They're injured. They need a break. I'm, I'm going to cover them. I'm going to surround them. And that's where it's going to be. It's going to be right here. And that, that's, again, that's, that's, that's going to be you. Maybe you're, you're praying for children, right? Because our kids, I mean, they've got to live with us. <laughs> right? Come on, be honest. I'm not always the best reflection of Jesus. They deserve better. Their view of the father dads, look at me, all dads, look at me. Their view of their father when they pray is a reflection of how we love. Period. You don't like it, take it up with him. Okay? So we got to pray for our families, especially our dads. We got to pray for our marriages. That's what we got to do. And so that's what I'm going to call you into. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm, I'm going I'm to be quiet, but stand up. And, and we're actually going to, if you physically can, we're going to come up here uh, and pray. In the first service, many people held hands. They loved on one another. They cried on each other's shoulder. But you, you come. So this is health, okay? There's all those members, all those people that are fighting. You go ahead and come. Right here, this is finances. This is jobs. This is situations over here in the front. Over here on this side, guys, you're praying for marriages. You're praying for families. And you can pray together. You can pray individually. You can join hands. But that's what we're going to do. Now, if you're in the back and you don't want to come forward, change sections. If you're here, you got to pray about finances. If you want to pray for marriages, move to that section. If you want to pray for health, then you're over here in this section. And that's what we're going to do, okay? And you, you find somebody to pray with, or you pray on your own, and I want you to get that imagery. You're carrying a shield right now. We're doing the heavy work. The enemy is attacking, and we're covering their head. We're covering their head, and we're covering their side, and we're coming alongside, and we're saying, no, Satan, no. We will withstand this attack We will withstand this blow. And brother, you don't even know the sandals I've got on my feet. This gospel can withstand and it will advance. So we will take this blow. We will protect our brethren. And we are coming for you. So you better watch it. And that's what we're praying about right now. That's what today is. This is a day that we say enough is enough. We're ready to stand. We're ready to stand.
Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Stand in the gap, Father. Lord, I lift up Daniel's mom to you. Father, I'm just lifting her up to you. Father, I'm lifting Scott up to you right now. Father, I'm praying. Praying for my brother Jack, whom I love. He's not done yet. He's not done. You're not done with him yet. Lord, I'm I'm praying for him right now. Lord, I'm praying for my sister Debbie. You're going to provide a job. I know it. I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, Father. I, I, I feel it. I feel it. Lung cancer's come back, but God, you saw it. You saw it coming. You saw it coming, Lord, and you're covering him right now. Father, I'm praying for healing right now. It's going to happen right now. Lord, for this marriage, you saw the signs. You know the struggle, but we're praying for it right now, Lord. We're praying for it right now. I'm praying for godliness. I'm praying for holiness. I'm praying for righteousness, Lord. That's what we're praying for right now, Lord. Mm. Keep standing. Stand in that gap. Keep praying. Pray for those people. Maybe you've got to move sections. Maybe now you prayed for health. You want to go pray for finances. That's fine. Mm. 